Hi, and welcome to Thriving on Purpose Ministries. My name is Sebastian Richard, and tonight we are starting a series about purpose, about finding your purpose. I entitled it, Lord, What is My Purpose? My purpose. And tonight is part one. And uh, the reason, of course, uh, is because for a couple of years now, uh, we really felt it like a, like a heavy on our spirit that we needed to do something that was would go in depth, helping people to really connect with their purpose, to really find their purpose in God and their kingdom purpose assignment on the earth. And, you know, I, I always felt a little bit, well, I don't know if I have all the ingredients yet. And I, I was always putting it off, putting it off. And uh, recently the Lord gave me uh, not only, I would say, more uh, more to give in that direction, but really a conviction that uh, now is the time I need to share this with people. It's going to help many, many of you to find your purpose, to understand purpose better, to understand what it is to walk with God and be in sync with him in the assignment that he had in mind for you when he sent you in the earth on this planet. And uh, so I set off and I began uh, writing it and uh, it's going to be a series of, uh, so far I have uh, planned four episodes. It might be more, but it's going to be a very in-depth series. And the reason that I wanted to do this series is because I, I, for me, when I found my purpose, it was the game changer. After salvation, Finding my purpose was the game changer for my life. And it's when I found my purpose or, or you know, it's hard to explain, but let me let me just uh, kind of slow down here a little bit before I unpack all of it. God had shown me my purpose around 19, 20 years old, but I didn't even know there was such a thing as purpose. So, and, and I didn't have the mindset to pursue it with all of my heart. So I put it off. I put it off. I ended up doing the responsible thing and going to get a job and, and putting it off. And it took me 20 years to close to 20 years to get back to it and to really do it, to really understand what it was to have a purpose and to really do the steps and do the thing and do what God asked of me and and just follow my passion, follow what the dreams that God had put in my heart. And uh, it was a it was a long road. There was, you know, for some people, it's for some people they know at 18 years old their purpose. They they feel it in their heart. They just they just go at it, and they're blessed. And they have a, a, a they don't have a perfect life, but I mean they they from that the get go they just follow their passion and boom. They're, they walk in it. Uh, for others, you know, let's be honest, for most people, I'm lucky. I consider myself to be lucky because for most people, they reach the end of their lives and they die and they're buried and they never found their purpose. And that is the tragedy in life. I feel that uh, uh, people who go throughout their whole lives being miserable, doing a job they hate, uh, always reasoning away their passion, their purpose, because it's not practical, it's not the right 
they don't have the right mindset for it they're not ready to to pursue it with all their heart or whatever reason they give themselves we all give ourselves some reasons and i remember les brown said uh, in life you will have one of two things results or excuses well most of us die with our excuses let's be honest so this is why i felt it was so important to address the issue of purpose and of course with you're going to say well this is a no-brainer your ministry is called thriving on purpose hello and you're right i mean you're right i should have done this earlier i should have done this sooner uh i i listened to many many teachings on purpose i read a lot about purpose i wrote about purpose uh i named the the ministry thriving on purpose because finding my purpose in god completely changed my life for the better uh, so at 40 years old when when god clearly showed me that i was to teach and to write books to teach his word and to write books i mean that that it was and it was just a repeat from 20 years earlier when he had shown me pretty much the same thing but i wasn't ready to embrace it i wasn't ready to pursue it and so i i feel sometimes when i look back and and that's not a good thing to do it's not a, it's not always a good exercise uh, to have regret uh, but yeah i do i do have regret sometimes that i didn't do it any sooner but i just wasn't equipped with the right mindset and right attitude to do it sooner and for me it came at around the age of 40 and many of you it's the same thing i've noticed uh in my relationships uh, when i you know listening to other people men women that uh, midlife midlife is a catalyst a point uh, uh, a very important usually a turning point for many many people some don't address it properly but for those who do address it properly it's a really a time to pause and think and rethink their lives and oftentimes if they take enough time to examine their lives oftentimes it's a good season where they can actually start tapping into or rolling into their purpose um, so for those who do find it usually it, it comes later in life um, and for those who never find it was well, just sad and i hope that uh this four-part series uh maybe five six i don't know i didn't finish writing it yet four part for now will definitely bless uh, the people who listen to it so lord what is my purpose the title uh, the subtitle of this episode is uh, of this uh, teaching is reverse engineering purpose so what i wanted to do for this uh first part part one i wanted to look at purpose and really really um squeeze it try to get all the juice that i could information wise to try to figure out what is purpose what is what does it mean to say I found my purpose? Um, and to try to really examine, uh, do you find your purpose in your job? Do you find purpose in your work? Do you find purpose in serving God? Like what is purpose? So we're going to do that. We're going to unpack this today. Uh, I'm going to take our time and really go in deep. Like I said, it's going to be over many episodes. So I wanted to begin with differentiating because for many people i find this is an area of confusion differentiating between work a job and your work so what do i mean by your work well i mean basically your earthly assignment or your purpose so what's the difference between work a job and your work uh, 
So first we're going to start about talking about work. What, what is work? Well, uh, a lot of people, uh, including myself, for the longest time, I used to think that work, having to work for a living, was a curse. And that's a half-truth. It is a half-truth. It's a, a misunderstanding of what happened in Genesis, what happened in the fall and before the fall. And we're going to look at this. But in the beginning, it was not so. See, work was part of God's plan to bless man. In fact, it's the first thing he gave man. He gave man work before he gave him a wife. So let's just look at this. Let, let's go in Genesis 2.15, where it says, Then, after he created man, then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, of Eden to tend and keep it. So he put the man in the garden to, in order to, tend and keep the garden. And some versions translate this uh, saying to cultivate and keep it. So there's no mistaking. There was work. There was work before the fall. So was it hard work? No, it wasn't hard work. It was perfectly tailored work for the Adam, for the man. So God had prepared, had work prepared for Adam and work was a blessed thing. It was blessed, okay? Now, after the fall, the specific work of cultivating the ground to obtain its produce, to, to make it flourish, uh, that became cursed. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 to 19, we read the consequences of the fall that God gave to Adam. He said, then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. Now, remember, God had created the man first and the woman second. And there was an order of things. So it says back then, back then it was important that the, the order was respected. And because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten, in other words, she was in disobedience and you have followed, you have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Now, this is no small thing. In toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return, which is a, a phrase, an expression that we take from the Bible oftentimes in funerals, where it's mentioned by uh, the, uh, the pastor or the priest. So this is a very dire consequence. So that's when painful toil and sweat came into the world. But before that, work was a good thing for Adam. It, it was meant, it was healthy. It was meant to keep him busy. It was an assignment. So he had a very specific assignment and he was fulfilled doing it. But now, now it was cursed. So man fell, creation fell, everything fell with him. And now it was it was the ground was cursed on account of his sin. And with that curse came the painful toil and sweat that we experience to this day. So like Adam, work also suffered a big fall. 
But still, work, although it, it suffered a fall, it's not cursed. Okay. The same way we can't say that man is cursed. Man fell. Work fell with it, with, with man. So his occupation fell with him. Painful toil and sweat is what happened after that. And and but nevertheless, despite all of that, there's still something gratifying about work. There's still something very gratifying about work. And and sometimes uh, I do get to do painful toil and sweat around the house. And to be in, in all honesty, I don't like it. And yet, once it's done, I look back on my work. If I did hard work in the yard or whatnot, and I always have a great feeling of satisfaction. That little feeling, that little piece, that little moment to me, I think is a trip back to Eden, a little taste of heaven where you just get a glimpse of what it might have been at all times, all the time before the fall for man to do his work. This is why a man who hasn't found his work, and I'm not, I'm not talking about work, work or a job. I'm saying a man who hasn't found his purpose is never fully happy. And that was a big lesson that I had to learn. Um, it took me years and it was very, very hard, not only on me, but it made uh, life a very, I wouldn't say a living hell, but a very, very difficult uh, for my wife, Elizabeth, because I hadn't found or I haven't embraced my purpose. And a man who, who doesn't have his work, who hasn't followed, who hasn't gotten this first thing straightened out, because remember, Adam was put in a garden. The first thing he was given was work, not Eve. Then he was given Eve. So if a man marries and he hasn't found his purpose, unfortunately, he's going to make his wife miserable, no matter how well-intentioned he is. She cannot be totally fulfilled as a wife, as a woman, married to a man who hasn't found his purpose. I believe that a woman has a purpose. I believe that a, a man has a purpose. But for... Uh, for a man to not find it is more, I, I think it digs deeper and it hurts him more than it does the woman. Although the woman does need to find it. And it's funny because I've had many of these discussions with my wife uh, about uh, purpose and about motherhood and about all these things. How do they come together, uh, finding her work and all that. And, and she said, you know what? Yeah, mother, motherhood is such an essential piece of the puzzle. And for some women, they feel, they really feel in, in, in their heart of hearts that that was their purpose. And they invest everything in raising their kids and, and, and building a strong family. But for some other women, there's something still missing even after motherhood. And that was an interesting conversation we had. And it was trying to figure out like, okay, so what determines these factors and all that? I, I didn't, we didn't solve it, but it was interesting to discuss it. So all this to say that work in itself was intended as a blessing and we still can experience that bliss uh, of of pre-fall pre-adamic fall when either when we do when we feel that satisfaction of work well done or even more so when we're walking in our purpose
And in the new covenant, uh, man still needs work to lead a healthy and fulfilled life and productive life. And we're reminded in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There is a restitution in the new covenant, even of the work of man. The work had fallen with Adam, but in the new covenant under Christ's headship, a man or woman can get back into a love relationship with their work, provided they find their work or their purpose. That's my uh, personal opinion here. Secondly, I wanted to talk about a job. Now, we spoke of work in general, what work is. I wanted to talk about a job. So you, 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 if you've been listening to Thriving on Purpose uh, Ministries or our broadcasts or podcasts for a while, you might have heard me say, because I've said it quite a few times, that a job is just a J-O-B, which means for some people just over broke or for others just obeying bosses. <laughs> and, and the reason I say this is because usually very, very few people like their job. Forget love, just like. Very few people uh, like their job. And, and, and I have the stats to prove it. Uh, a global poll was conducted by Gallup. Gallup is a big firm that, that conducts polls regularly. And in 2019, they uncovered that out of the world's 1 billion full-time workers, that's a lot of people, okay? <laughs> I don't know how they, I don't know if they interviewed 1 billion people, but they, they, they had their ways to figure this out. Out of the work, the workforce of 1 billion people, only 15% on average are engaged at work. That means that an astro astronomical 85% of people are unhappy in their jobs, their JOBs. Now that, that is, well, I was part of the 85%. Maybe you're part of the 85%. I know a lot of people were part of the 85%. That's a J-O-B. Most people do not find any fulfillment in their J-O-Bs. In fact, I would venture to say that we find more fulfillment in, in painful toil and sweat that we do on our own. For example, if you decide you're, you're going to do a, a walkway with uh, 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 stones and it's heavy lifting and you're sweating in the sun, but you're doing it for your home, there's more satisfaction doing that than there is doing a job you hate. And it's hard work. It's painful toil and sweat. So that's the big difference between work and jobs. Uh, and the, the, real, <laughs> the real definition of a job is very interesting. Merriam-Webster uh, defines it as the work that a person does regularly in order to earn money. A duty, task, or function that someone or something has. Something that requires very great effort. So they said that, that a job is usually a, a duty or a task that requires great effort. And it oftentimes requires more mental effort than it does physical. Depends on the job, of course. There's some jobs that are very physical. But it, it requires just to motivate um, 
uh, workplace America, I guess you could tell, Monday mornings, that it's proven, in fact, that there's more suicides on Monday mornings than at any other time of the week on average. So the statistics prove that, that there's more suicides on Monday morning. Why? Is that because jobs are pleasant? No, it's because for most people, jobs are very dis uh, disagreeable. They're not, they don't have any pleasure in it. In French, we use, uh, uh, you know, I'm French, right? In French, we use the word travail. Travail, that usually is interchangeable with the English word work. And yet, when we go to work, we say, je m'en vais travailler, which means I'm going to work. But what that really means is I'm going to my place of employment. I'm leaving home and I'm going to my place of employment. Now, the word travail, which is the same as the word travail in French, it's, it's also in English. There's also the word travail in English. But that's not a word that we use to define our place of employment in English. We don't, we were not, we're not going to say I'm travailing. I'm going to go travail today, although we may feel that way. So most people would probably classify the word uh, uh, travail in English closer to work than to job. But seeing how many people hate their jobs, I believe the definition is probably more akin, the definition of travail, probably more akin to job because travail actually means painful or laborious effort, painful or laborious effort. And, and you know, if 85% of people don't like their jobs, mentally, it can be painful or laborious and forget the physical. There's also the physical aspect depending on the work. And the etymology of the word travail or travail in French is even more revealing. And I love digging in the etymology of words because you can learn so much. So uh, travail or tra travail in French is from Middle English, travail, or from the Old French, travail, which means, get this, suffering or torment suffering or torment and from the latin tripalio to torture suffer or toil to torture <laughs> when i read this i was like wow so work or not work but the word travail which is basically interchangeable with work means suffering torment so <laughs> for many people their jobs is where they go to suffer torment, where they, where they feel they're tortured. But, and I know I'm going on and on here, and you're like, guys, you guys are probably like, man, that's so negative. I, I, I have to go to work tomorrow, and this is discouraging me. We, you know, I've done it, uh, and a lot of people do it, and it's, it's part of the learning curve of, I think, being human. There is a useful side, or I should say useful sides, plural, to a job. And, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go through that list because I really believe that a job is a training ground for so many things. A job, think about it, a job is where we learn to serve. It's where we learn to serve others. It's where we learn for most of us discipline. So you need to clock in, you need to clock out, you need to be there on time, or you could lose your job. We learn accountability, 
So in other words, we learn to be accountable to others. We learn to be accountable to our boss. We we're accountable to our coworkers. We learn to be humble and to submit to authority at, at work, at a job. That's also where we usually learn the value of money. We, we realize that, okay, money really doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> we, so we get to know ourselves under different circumstances when we have a job. It's a good learning experience for ourselves. It's a growth experience. We learn uh, to know ourselves under pressure. How do I deal with pressure? Am I good under pressure? Am I bad under pressure? Personally, I wasn't very good under pressure. We learn to know ourselves with others because others are often a reflection of us. And, and sometimes, you know, at work, I had some very strange reactions from others that made me, made, made me look in the mirror and go like, well, that didn't go as planned. And is there something I should change in my approach, personality, the way I say things? Sometimes just the way you say things. So that was a good mirror off, oftentimes to, to know what kind of person am I? How, how am I rubbing people? How am I rubbing others? Uh, it, it helps us to know ourselves when we're given responsibility. Am I someone who is trustworthy? Am I someone who can be given more responsibility? And that's a very useful schooling because when we walk with God, remember God uh, would, would only give more responsibility to those who show themselves trustworthy. Remember the parable of the talents, right? How do we do with deadlines when we have deadlines? You should finish this before such and such a time or I'm um, giving you so many days to finish this work or whatever. You have deadlines at work. So all these things are, are big learning curves and they help us to know each other, uh, to know ourselves, I should say. Well, each other as well. But to know ourselves uh, under a... a um, under difficult circumstances. And you know, they say the best way to test a man's mettle is, is when it's tough and work, a job can be tough. So it's, it really builds your character if you take it to heart and you go like, you know what, I'm gonna, even though I don't like being here, or if I, and if you love, if you love your job, God bless you, this is awesome. But, it, but if you don't like being there and, and to show good character, to, to, to be a good person, to show kindness, even though you don't want to be there, that's something that not everybody can do. It's, it, it's not easy. It's not easy. So employment has all these challenges, but also rewards. So I don't want to, I don't want to diss the rewards because it's a, a tremendous boot camp and it's very useful to ministry even. There's so many things I learned at work that, uh, that I couldn't learn anywhere else. So these things are useful. So we can't like spit on, on, on jobs in a, in a way. And that's not what I wanted to do. I, I hope you didn't misunderstand me. I just wanted to look at the statistics and to look at the reality of it. It is what it is, right? So now I wanted to consider the difference between being employed and the difference between that and being deployed. Now, many of you might be like, what is being deployed? I mean, I'm not in the army. Uh, well, you are more than you think. But employed is what we're familiar with, uh, even in French. Uh, well, in English, we say employment, right? In French, we say emploi. So that's when basically we have a job. So whenever political campaigns are held, you've probably noticed this. I know I have. 
one of the most the biggest promises that they do when they there's a political campaign underway and the candidates show up on their platform what do they promise more jobs more employment so they promise the people more employment when we attend school we're told to go and get a diploma to get what to get a good job or good employment right we spend our whole young adult life being told that we need to be what employed i remember my parents used to tell me that you're going to need to go and get a summer job you're going to need to go and get your first job you need to get a job get employed get employment but here's the problem and nobody tells you this nobody tells you this god doesn't want you employed and i know that for some of you this might come as a shock <laughs> God, when he created you, his intent, when he sent you, he dispatched you to earth as a little baby to be born, he had no intent for you to be employed. That was not part of his plan. He wanted you to be deployed. And being deployed is what purpose is all about. So what is the definition of deployed? Well, you probably linked it to the military, and that's true. Uh, it means to move troops or equipment into position for military action. That's one of the definitions of deployed. But the other one, the, the other part of the definition is so good. It means to bring into effective action or to utilize. To bring into effective action. When you are employed, you are being used by someone else for their purposes, right? When you have a job, you're being used by someone else for their purposes. So whatever company you work for, they have their purpose going, they, the, the CEO, the founder, whatever, they have their goals, they have their purpose, and you're being paid to serve theirs. But when you are being deployed, you're being used by God for his purposes. For his purposes and there's a funny reflection i had in in writing this and i was thinking about again i i think in both languages because i'm bilingual i get these insights sometimes that i wouldn't if i wasn't in france in french the word user's manual you know when you buy something new when you buy a new phone or a new printer for your computer there's a user's manual in French, that is called a mode d'emploi. So there's the word employ in there. So the word employ is found in mode d'emploi. In English, it actually means user's manual. So think about it. Employment is synonymous with usage or users. Indeed, when you and I, when we're employed, we are being used by someone else for their purpose. But God wants to deploy you. And this has to do with your purpose. Also known as your work, your earthly assignment, your mission on the earth. That's what your purpose is. So now we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about your work. So we said we talk about work in general a job we covered both now i want to talk about your work 
also known as your purpose. Now, the definition of purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Now, I'm going to repeat that because it's so crucial and important. The definition of purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. I am a firm believer that in heaven, there is a huge library of books of all kinds. Uh, I'm a book lover. And I know that someday in heaven, I'm going to have a blast visiting the libraries of heaven. The Library of Congress has nothing on the libraries of heaven. And I just can't wait in a way. But, but it's funny because the, once I get there, I'm, I'm going to know all things. That's what the Apostle Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 13. But at the same time, I, I'm excited to, even though I'm probably going to know all things, because I, we know partially, very partially here, but in heaven we're enlightened by the light and knowledge of God. But I'm still going to have a blast, I think, going through these books and libraries. But the point is that I believe that there are indeed books, individual books written with every one of our names on them. So when God created you, he had very specific thoughts for you and for you alone. And those thoughts were put down in, in a book that has your name on it. And this in this book is contained God's perfect plan for your life. In other words, the perfect version of yourself, sanctified in Jesus Christ, walking in the spirits every minute of every day. What would your life look like? That's in that book. I have, I have a book like that too. I wish I could read it. But the good news is God has not left us in the dark. And when we commune with him daily, he reveals to us where we should go next. Every step we need to take. He's the light unto our path, right? The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. This is all part of what's written in that very specific story that God has for you. That very that Those wonderful plans, Jeremiah 29, 11 good plans to prosper you. Those plans are in a book. And it's so comforting for me to think about that. To think that God had very, very specific plans written down, preordained for me to walk in it. And that when I pray the Lord's Prayer, and I ask, Thy will be done in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, that book is in heaven. And what I'm saying is I'm grabbing hold of that and I'm bringing it down into my life and I'm holding on to it. And I'm like asking God, Lord, make my life a living testimony to that book you wrote about me in heaven. Every single step of my day today, my week, my my. Uh, my day-to-day -day walk. This is a powerful thought that is so encouraging to me. See, God, God, when he created you, he had a very, very specific plan, very specific. God is not into haphazard stuff, okay? 
So you're not the victim of some strange cosmic plan that went awry. Everything in your life was orchestrated. Where you were born, your parents, your gender, your language, your race, your abilities, your talents, your yearnings, your passions. So there is a work on this earth that is tailor-made for you. It has your name on it. That's your purpose. There's a specific calling and assignment on your life that only you can fulfill. Think about that for a second. That's a power, a power thought right there. There is something that I need to do on this earth that only I can do. That blows my mind. And yet, because of the confirmation of God, that's a God thought. Because of the confirmation that God gives me with that thought, I know it's true. And it's greatly, greatly encouraging. It's so encouraging to know that God had a purpose for us, for each one of us. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the different types of purposes, different types of purposes. Number one, there's God's overarching purpose for man. So we, I spoke earlier, when God created Adam, he had a very specific purpose for mankind, Adam kind. That's his overarching purpose for man. In fact, in, uh, in my latest book, and, uh, and it's not a shameless plug because this is my show. I'm not on someone else's show, but I'm going to share it anyway. So in my latest book, Kingdom Fundamentals, uh, chapter three, I believe, I talk about that. I talk about God's purpose for man and how when man cre uh, God created man, he gave him dominion and he had a very specific purpose for man to rule this new realm, this realm made of, of uh, uh, carbon-based beings, organic life forms, physical life, com completely different from heaven in many, many ways, but in other ways, very similar to heaven, especially before, before the fall. Very So it was a colony. So God wanted to create a colony of heaven in a physical realm. That's fascinating to me. And he created man as the pinnacle of this new realm that he wanted man to rule. So God had an overarching purpose for man when he created this, this world. And he put man in the, garment, the, the garden to tend it, to keep it. He had a grandiose plan. Plan went south, we know that, but it was reestablished in Christ Jesus. This is how we got back our dominion. We got back our authority. Praise God Almighty. So God had a, has an overarching purpose for man. That's, that's a, a gigantic P purpose, if you will. Now we're going to go to God's from God's gigantic P purpose to small p purposes small p what do i mean by small p purposes well every single one of us lives small p purposes in our lives and in everyday life for example getting married is a smaller p purpose 
Being a parent, becoming a parent, having children, small p, purpose. Uh, for some, it's the full purpose. For, for some mothers, they really identify this as their um, purpose, their calling. But for, for some, especially for men, usually, uh, it's a smaller P purpose. Being a coworker, having a job, smaller P purpose. Even if it's a great big job, some have big jobs, smaller P purpose. Well, although, and I, I need to put a, a parenthesis here for some people their job is aligned with their purpose those are the people those are the 15 percent we were talking about earlier <laughs> they love their job they're doing it uh they're, they they know they have confirmation from god that they're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing uh putting their gifts forth uh, to be used for mankind for some people it just so happens that it's in their jobs that they found their purpose and good for them that's wonderful uh, helping a neighbor, small p purpose. Helping your community, small p purposes. Your day-to-day -day influence on others, smaller p purposes. And we do so many things in a day, so many things. Whenever I, I have a teachable moment with one of my kids or all of my kids, smaller p purpose. In other words, smaller p purposes are small purposes that you do make a difference, a big sometimes a big difference, but those are not the purposes you were put on earth for. So it's not the big picture, smaller pictures. It's the tree, it's not the forest. Those are smaller p pic, uh, purposes. So there's the small pictures that are part of the big picture. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw uh, the movie The Truman Show, but I remember... Uh, I was fascinated when I went to see it. We went to see it at the theater at the time. And uh, there was a, an ad, a, move, uh, a poster, a big poster. And I remember getting close to the poster because the, 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 it was the face of uh, Truman, played by Jim Carrey. But it was composed of all small, tiny pictures, thousands of tiny little pictures. Tiny, and it formed his whole face. And it was very well made. And, and the it became, I remember it, at the time it became a thing. They did it with the Truman Show picture. They did it with a ton of other things. Uh, we began seeing this everywhere, popping out posters with, with micro images forming a macro image. And I thought that, I think that's a good illustration of smaller P purposes, what they actually do. Which brings us to the big picture. Now, we have smaller P pictures, uh, smaller P uh, purposes, <laughs> and you have the purpose, your purpose with a capital P. And we spoke about that already, but this is your, um, your purpose. What God sent you to earth to do. The thing that's going to bring you the most fulfillment, the thing that he has gifted you for, and by gifting you, I mean talents, abilities, um, spiritual gifts, all these things put together. That's your thing. That's the thing that you're supposed to do. And it's amazing. When you find it and you do it, you're like, wow, I was born for this. You know that expression? There's a lot of people say, I was born for this. And I remember, I'm a hockey fan. I remember seeing a, uh, a clip of Bobby Hull. 
And for those of you who, who watched hockey in the 60s, you might remember Bobby Hull, right? Um, the Golden Jet, right? And he played for the Chicago Blackhawks, and he was a spectacular player. I think, I think at the time, he was probably the most spectacular player in the league. He had a booming slap shot and super speed. He would go down the wing and, and shoot and score spectacular goals. But I remember a clip in which he spoke of his uh, first few games in Chicago. And Chicago is a noisy arena like a noisy place. I mean, Chicago fans are something else. And he was saying how as he was skating down the wing, feeling the wind in his hair with the puck on his stick, hearing all those people chanting, and at, he let go that shot and he scored that goal and he heard them screaming. He said in that clip, he said, man, I knew I thought, man, I was born for this. And it was a really good clip. He, he really did it. He, he did it really, really good as a, as a hockey player and an entertainer. But when you find your purpose, it's like that. When you know that you're doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing, you get that confirmation. Man, this is what I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And... And that, regardless if you have initial success or not, because you love the thing. You, you have a, a love affair with your purpose. When you find your purpose, it's inevitable. You're going to have a love affair with it. Brings us to a question, uh, kind of an important question. Can you find your purpose apart from God? Can a human being, because I've seen people, right, that they love what they do. Can you find your real full purpose apart from God? It, and it's a loaded question. It's a loaded question. I, I believe, that's my personal convic conviction, and I may be wrong, but I believe that you can find the lane connected to your purpose apart from God. But I don't believe that you can fulfill it fully. So, the short answer that I'm going to give you to can you find your purpose apart from God is never fully, never fully. Only someone's maker can fully disclose their purpose. For example, let's take a hammer. And the first hammer had a creator. Someone created the first hammer. It might have been a hammer for war, but nonetheless, Someone created the first hammer. And only the creator, only the creator of that hammer knew the exact purpose of that when it came out. It was a, a, a novelty. It was first time. And only the creator of the hammer knew what the hammer was for. Only your creator knows exactly what you're for. And therefore, only through your creator can you find exactly what you're here for. Uh, Os Guinness, great preacher, once said, a teacher, he said, there is no calling without a caller. I thought that was very well put. There is no calling without a caller. 
Now there there are there are some different levels of um, purpose revelation. Some are walking in their full purpose and they know it. I believe a man, for example, like Billy Graham, knew exactly what his purpose was and he he didn't derail from it one second. That was his thing. He knew that his mission, his purpose in life was to preach the gospel of Christ, preach the gospel of salvation. That was it. There are others who, who walk in parts of their purpose. And, you know, the Bible tells us that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to seek out a matter. And I believe that God in his wisdom doesn't disclose our purpose right away in our lives. He kind of puts us on a treasure hunt. Our purpose is hidden in Christ. Our full purpose is hidden in Christ. But that doesn't mean we can't find clues and, and, and things along the way, the path of life that can lead us into a lane that's leading towards it. This is, this is, it's complex issue. There's a lot that has to do with purpose, but here's the thing. If someone finds their purpose lane or something that is connected to their purpose without God, I strongly believe that it's going to lead them to contentment. I've seen a lot of those people. They, they feel that they're walking in their purpose, but they don't believe in God. So they're very, very happy with what they're doing. They love what they do, but they don't believe in God. So they're content. They have contentment and a stubble. Because, you know, when the works get tested through the fire, when we get to heaven, our works get tested through the fire. And only what that which is done in Christ will pass through the fire and not be consumed. So purpose with God. So that was purpose without God. But purpose with God leads to fulfillment and to being commended as good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear from our Lord, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. And I think that's what Paul had in mind in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 15. Uh, he really talks about what we do in Christ and to what level we do it for him and through him. But I believe that it applies also to others. Uh, to other uh, lane, I guess, lower lanes, lower tiers, if you would, of purposefulness. Each one should build with care, he said. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, God laid the ultimate foundation, which is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. You can't build. That's the rock. Remember that parable where Jesus says the, the man, the foolish man built on sand? And it crumbled, a storm, and the winds came, and the waters, and that house was completely destroyed. But the wise man built on the rock, that's Jesus Christ and his words. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Now, he's talking about those who are building in Christ. 
And there's there's even even building in Christ, there's levels. There's some people who who build more adequately in Christ than others. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Sad. I mean, I don't I wouldn't want any any of my listeners to undergo that type of loss. You know, I think we all want to get to heaven with a well done, good and faithful servant. When the fire, when the when our works are tested through the fire, they have to be tested. Our motive has to be kingdom oriented. It has to be the glory of God oriented in him, in him. As I'm reaching the end of this first installment, this uh, part one of Lord, what is my purpose? I wanted to share something about uh, called blissful dissatisfaction. Blissful dissatisfaction. It sounds contradictory. Blissful, when you're blissful, you're, you're elated, you're happy, you're so happy. Dissatisfaction. What is that? <laughs> well, I believe that's the state that every Christian should be in. And the expression, I, I can't take the credit for the expression. It came from motivational speaker and trainer, Ed Milet. He's the one who coined this blissful dissatisfaction. I love, I love that term. I think it, it's, it's amazing. See, a believer, a Christian, a believer who's on the pathway to, perf- to purpose, must always be in a constant state of blissful dissatisfaction. Now, the blissful part is the part of what we're given. You know, the Christian's joy and the the Christian's contentment. We are to be joyful at all times and content in all things. So that's the blissful part. Okay? But the dissatisfaction part, the, the I'm dissatisfied, that is you, you and me, always wanting to become more and to do more for God and for his kingdom. We should never be satisfied with that. I want to become more. I want to become more Christ-like, more sanctified. I want to, I want to grow more, grow into my potential more, develop more skills. I want to grow. I want to keep growing. So that's the dissatisfaction part. So blissful dissatisfaction should be the state of every Christian on the path to purpose. Uh, so maybe maybe you're listening to this episode, uh, this, um, this teaching, and maybe you've reached midlife. That's when, that's when I found my my purpose. That's why I embraced it. Why? Because I was blissfully dissatisfied. I was blissful because I was in Jesus Christ. I had his word. I knew I had salvation waiting for me upon death. But man, was I dissatisfied with my life, with what I did day to day, or what I didn't do day to day. There was some dissatisfaction there. And that dissatisfaction was a good thing. It was a blessing in disguise. And I think that for us, for as believers, when we're on the path to purpose, 
God wants to bring us, if we haven't found our purpose, God wants to bring us to a place of great dissatisfaction so that we will leave no stone unturned to find that satisfaction. Because it's very difficult for a believer to reach a place of dissatisfaction because you question your faith. Uh, I questioned my faith. I was like, why am I feeling like this? I have Jesus Christ. I'm supposed to have the joy all the time. I mean, I'm supposed to be super blissful. But then I look at my life and I'm not satisfied. I don't like what I'm doing, what I'm not doing, where, I'm, where I am now in life, where, I'm, where I think I should be. I just, I'm dissatisfied. And that was a divine appointment with my destiny. And I think a lot of men, and I'm talking about men now, but women too, but men, when they reach midlife, there's a reason. And I did a, a, an episode on midlife crisis on, uh, on our podcast. If you want to go back and listen to it, I don't even, rem I don't remember which the number of the episodes, so don't ask, but it was about midlife. I think I had called it midlife crisis or midlife calling. And in that episode, I was explaining how that dissatisfaction that men and women reach in, at midlife, that is not a crisis. That's a calling. That is the call. That's the call to purpose. You've lived halfway through your life. You're dissatisfied and you know that you know that you're not walking in your purpose. You just feel it. That's why you're dissatisfied. That is a divine appointment to pause and reflect and pray and seek with all of your heart. And as we journey farther into these part two, part three, and part four of Lord, what is my purpose? We're going to unwrap all this. We're going to unpack all of this for you guys to, to, to get more insight into what, how do you find your purpose? But today I really want to, I really wanted to reverse engineer purpose. I wanted to explain what that word, that big word means, and uh, you know what it what it is, what it isn't, uh, and by now you probably understood that uh, your work, your calling, your assignment, your purpose is not work. It's not synonymous with work, and it's not synonymous with a job usually. And I say usually because for some of you, it may be it may be synonymous. For some people, they have a, a job that is, they, they went to get a degree, they're working at a job, for example, let's say doctors. I mean, there's doctors who wanted to be doctors since they were kids. They wanted to help people and heal people, and, and they feel like this is their calling in their lives, and that's fine. I mean, there's professions like that. There's some some, some jobs like that where where you know that you're in you're walking in your purpose, but it's still a minority. So that's why I made it a point to, to clarify all these things so that you know the difference between work, a job, and your work. And my prayer for you is that you will find your work, your unique work. Um, there's a couple of verses I wanted to share with you. Philippians 2.13, as I'm ending this broadcast, this, uh, this uh, teaching, it is God who works in you to will and to act 
in order to fulfill his good purpose. Think about this. This is powerful. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Because when he wrote your book in heaven, it was his ultimate purpose that he was assigning to you, just like the creator of the hammer was assigning that specific purpose to the hammer. So what's in that book? That was your specific purpose. And through sanctification, through this daily sanctification process and relationship with God and revelation of the Holy Spirit, he's the one who works it in you to will and to act in order to fulfill that book, his good purpose, in order to fulfill. That's a prayer you, that I, I encourage you to pray. Uh, Lord, help me to live out my life according to what is written in that book. Not only his book, the Bible, the scriptures, but also your specific book. Man, when these two meet, it's the perfect, I wouldn't say the, I wouldn't say the perfect storm, but it's amazing. When you are walking out God's daily word through character and obedience and sanctification and seeking his face, but at the same time living your kingdom assignment and your purpose, man. Nothing beats that. Nothing beats that. And we all, another passage I wanted to share, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. From glory to glory. That's where he wants to take you. That's where he wants to take me. From glory to glory. So friends, I, I hope that this broadcast has blessed you. Uh, I hope that, uh, that you'll share it with friends and family. And I hope that you will be along for the ride uh, in the, uh, the second uh, installment next week. Uh, I wanted to share with you guys what I was going to share next week. So next week we'll talk about giftings or your gifts. So part two of Lord, what is my purpose? We'll talk about gifted for a purpose, the purpose of your gifts. So you were gifted for a purpose. And what is the purpose of your gifts? We'll, we'll look at that. We'll consider these things. We're going to look at a lot of stuff. I unpacked a lot today. I'm going to unpack a lot in the next uh, uh, teachings. Uh, so, friends, I hope that this has blessed you. And if it has, share it. And I hope that you have a wonderful week. I hope that you keep seeking his face every day. And that if you haven't found your purpose, that you begin to ask him earnestly, in earnest, Lord, show me my purpose. Bring me to it. I want it. You gotta want it. You gotta want it. Me, it was out of desperation. I was looking for a purpose, for my purpose, out of desperation because I didn't even know. Um, I wasn't taught these things from a young age. I, um, I I severely lacked some guidance as a young man, so it it was hard to overcome. But uh, I'm happy to be sharing this with you guys, with my listeners, because I know that it's gonna um, 
patch many holes because uh, many a lot of people don't know this this important stuff this is the stuff of life so may god bless you and i will see you next week bye bye